0: Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17. You know, all those who mocked him, ridiculed his name and made light of his word will surprisingly meet him when he returns, it will happen so unexpectedly, just as we are going to see Joseph un- unexpectedly reveal himself to his brothers who had treated him so poorly 20 years ago. My friends, we must be prepared at all times to meet our Maker. Just think of how fast our lives changed because of the coronavirus. It just Kind of just happened overnight. And that's nothing compared to how fast our lives will change when Jesus returns. Well, we left off with Judah passing the test and putting the life of Ben by putting the life of Benjamin before his own. And now we're going to see in this uh Next chapter of Genesis here, Genesis chapter 45, how Joseph responds. Okay, we're going to see how he responds. Let's get into the word. Genesis chapter 45 verse 1, it reads, And then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren think about this this we've been reading these chapter these last few chapters waiting for this moment when is joseph going to reveal himself when are his brothers going to know that that's joseph and i want you to think about something i want you to, to take note at how emotional joseph was about all this and since he is a type of jesus christ perhaps it lets us appear lets us peer into the emotions of our savior think about that he has emotions he has feelings at times they boil over with joy and at times they boil over with wrath But here we want to talk about his joy. You know, it is written that um, in Luke chapter 15, verse 9, that all of the angels sing for joy when one sinner repents. But how much more joy must our Savior have when one sinner repents? I'm sure he's just filled with complete joy when that happens. Um, just, Just think about that. He loves us so dearly. And we're going to see uh, a type of that in Joseph. You want to know what it's going to be like when Jesus returns? You want to know what the emotions are going to be like? Well, this, this gives us a little bit of a clue and to how he's going to react to some, okay, to his brethren. Verse 2, And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Now Joseph's brothers, remember, they thought he was dead. But yet here he is standing right in front of them. Standing right in front of them. They thought he was dead. And you think, you think that's dramatic? It is, it's the most dramatic, probably one of the most dramatic stories ever told. But think of the time. Think of how dramatic it's going to be when Jesus returns and makes himself known unto the world. Nothing can be more dramatic than that. That is what we're waiting for. Okay? Well, other things have to happen before then. The Antichrist has to come and so on. Um and but you know what? Many people are going to be troubled by his presence, just like the brothers were here. Because they weren't expecting it. They thought he was dead. Many people th- don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe the Bible's true. But then when? Our Lord returns. It's going to trouble them. They're going to say, yeah, those people that have been studying their Bibles, talking about it, were right. They were right. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 40, he says, Be therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. All right? He's going to come in an an unexpected hour. Verse 4, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt. Think about that. Think about what might have been going on in the minds of their brothers, of his brothers. The guilt and the shame that they must have had for what they had done to to Joseph 20 years ago. And now here he is, the savior of the material world at that time. The savior of Egypt and the world. As a type of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, you know another verse comes to mind. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 5. Where it says in reference to Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 5. Think about that. Think about that for a minute my friends we did that to him we've stricken him with our iniquities same thing as the brothers the brother how the brothers treated joseph but ultimately that led to joseph being where he was at this time okay there's a direct parallel here between jesus and his brethren and joseph and his brethren don't overlook it verse 5 now therefore be ye not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither for god did send me before you to preserve life now that's quite a statement joseph understood that his brother's betrayal of him was part of god's plan Many people equate this betrayal of Joseph to the betrayal of Jesus' brethren of the tribe of Judah who rejected him and had him crucified. They feel uh, that it was a part of God's plan so that Jesus could first save the world, then come back and save Israel, like Joseph saved Egypt and then was able to save his Israelite brothers. Interesting parallel there. You know, the Apostle Paul seems to draw from this type. In Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 12, when he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. Talking about Israel. Think about the brothers here now. Same thing. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy, now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Now, think about that. Jo- when J- Because Joseph's brothers sold him into Egypt as a slave, Joseph, in turn, was able to become the savior of the world. The same thing with ha- what happened with Jesus. Okay, same thing. All right. <clears throat> Um, excuse me, for uh, verse 6, for these two years, Joseph continues on, for these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. You know, hopefully, hopefully we're not entering a seven-year economic famine right now. But uh, as I write, much of the nation is shutting down because of the coronavirus. Uh, I shouldn't say as I write, as I speak. Much of the nation is shut down because of the coronavirus. Some some people believe we could be entering a um, second Great Depression. And others believe it'll just be a bump in the road followed by massive economic growth. You know, I don't know for sure what's going to happen. Um, but I do know that nothing like this has ever happened in our lifetime. We've never seen anything like this before. And um, if we are headed towards an economic meltdown uh, my belief is that we must maintain hope that all things work together for the good of them that love god and to them that are called according to his purpose as romans chapter 8 verse 28 states um, we we got to have a positive outlook um, and t- if god comes to us and tells us that you must tell everybody that this is my punishment um, it, until he does that Directly, we've got to still be optimistic. Um, even when the end comes, Christians still have to be optimistic about our day-to-day life as we go forth doing God's work all the way until he calls us home. Um, you know, we get—we um, don't want to get caught up uh, complaining and bickering nonstop. We're here to help the world, to help spread the truth. Okay? You know what? Uh, I want you to take notice of something. Joseph's brothers here were struggling through this famine for two years. For two years before Joseph takes them in and nourishes them, uh, you know there were there were times I'm sure when they thought we're gonna die, we're not gonna make it through this. Now we're not getting to that point yet um, with the coronavirus. You know it's not getting that serious, but it makes it does make one think of the possibilities. If God allowed the Israelites to be tested back then to those extremes, remember the manna in the wilderness, uh, the seven-year famine that we're reading about here, what's to prevent him from putting us through hard trials like that as well? Um, Think about that. Who knows? maybe, Maybe we come out of this whole coronavirus stronger and a more godly people. Maybe our economy booms even more. Like many are saying, because of a because of this Sabbath period, maybe it's a reset. Uh, there are a lot of unknowns right now, but but we do have types in the Bible to draw from, and we should be paying attention to those. Now, <clears throat> I don't know what scenario is going to play out. Uh, is this going to help the globalists, or is it going to hurt the globalists? Is this going to help America, or is it going to hurt America? We have to stay watching. I'm not going to declare either way. I'm paying attention to what's going on. My gut feeling says this helps America in the long run because we're back to uh, uh, families and so forth. And um, and, and the reason why I, this is my personal belief as well. I'm not saying this is the official belief from God. Um, the reason my personal belief is that the my personal belief that the coronavirus actually helps us and hurts the globalists is because I just see God moving against the globalists right now, especially after the miracle election of 2016 uh, of Donald Trump beating Hillary Clinton. Could you imagine what things would be like right now if Hillary Clinton were in office? I wouldn't even want to know. Okay, So I have a hard time, because of that, because of how God's moved thus far, I have a hard time believing God will then bring us back, backwards in this fight for American independence American freedom and to cleanse the morality of our people um, I believe I believe we're we, we could be going forward in a big way okay but I caution you know um, I wanna, I'm cautioning you again that is only my personal gut feeling based off of my biblical, based off of my accumulation of biblical types and examples and trying to align them with what's going on, okay? But you must make up your own mind as a watchman who studies God's Word and um, and tries to put things together. But you know what? Hey, if we differ on this, no big deal. We're not all going to see this exactly the same. Some people are really doomsdaying this and other people are saying this is going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to America after it's all said and done. Uh, we, we shall see. Uh, verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You know what? I tell you what, a lot of people in this country, there are a lot of people in this country who viciously hate Donald Trump. Uh, even his fellow countrymen. Even a lot of Christians because they expect him to be some perfect saint that's never sinned before. Um, Though his stated mission is to make America great again. What's the hate about that? If you live in America, isn't that what you want? Don't Christians want more freedom to spread the gospel? Don't Christians want the government off of our back? I mean, not all those things he's doing. Don't Christians want good, solid Supreme Court justices? uh and on and on the list goes but the you know the most christians are in, are are in with this are on board with this but um the liberals they seem to hate this man with a vicious hatred even though he wants to make their country better again it's bizarre it's beyond me okay um am i am i trying to say that trump is a savior no no way okay but but god can And does use people to fulfill his will. All right? It's it's hard for me to ignore that that might be going on as I speak. Okay? It's hard for me to ignore. Moving on. Verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither. Joseph explaining here. It It really wasn't you guys that did this, even though you did it. But God and he hath made me a father to pharaoh and a and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of egypt okay so think about that the, joseph is saying hey this was part of the plan i know you guys did this and it was your emotions and your your sinful emotions and your sinful feelings that did it but ultimately god was in control this was meant to happen okay so look at, look at the position Joseph is in. He is now in a high position in Egypt, and he's sort of like a father to Pharaoh. He's, he was showing Pharaoh the way, showing Pharaoh how to get through the famine and so forth. Amazing. God can raise up his own. Be like a Joseph. Look at Joseph's life. Model your life after his. He didn't start crying and complaining after every bump in the road, after every hard trial and temptation. No, he stayed faithful and he stayed obedient and he stayed in the field, so to speak, working. Making the best of it. My advice to Christians today during this coronavirus shutdown is don't just complain about it. Don't say, "Oh, this sucks. We gotta sit here. I'm so mad. I'm so angry." Um, but make the best of it. Now, I'm not saying, "Hey, just never complain if the government's encroaching upon its po- our freedoms and so forth." But right now, I really feel that this is this is a it may be hard for many people economically. Many people's health may be affected. But as far as the overall condition of our nation, it's almost something that we needed to happen: the coronavirus. Okay? Just as the world possibly needed this famine, this seven-year famine back then, so that God could take Joseph and use him to save the world to be a testimony unto the truth. Okay? Lots of opportunities at this time. Verse 9. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me and tarry not. So Joseph says, hey, hurry up. I want you to go back and get daddy. Okay? Bring our father here. I haven't seen him. I want to see him. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Now check that out. Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. And thou shalt be near unto me. Thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. Okay? Think about that. He's got a place prepared for them. God prepared this land of Goshen for them during this famine. And he was going to use Joseph to nourish them and to protect them. And I... And there will I nourish thee. Now check that out. Remember, Joseph is a type of Christ. Don't forget that. I will nourish thee, for yet there are five years of the famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Now there's a period in the end days known as the last seven years, broken up into two periods of three and a half years each. And I feel this is a a very strong type of that. And it talks about where the woman flees into the wilderness, uh, Revelation chapter 12 verse 6. I'm just going to quote here: "And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days." Okay. Now there's a this this story of Genesis is not just a historical event. It's trying to let us see deeper into things that are yet future, such as Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, when the woman who symbolizes the church or the true Christians, she flees into the wilderness, okay, to a place that God has prepared for her. You know, the land of Goshen was a fertile and blessed land, a perfect place to raise flocks and herds, um, so it was, it was a great place to be. And it was God who provided this place for them during this famine. Okay. You know, I, I could bring this type up as well. Tie this into it. There's a famine for hearing the word of God today, but there are a few Joseph's out there feeding, dishing out the word of God, unfiltered word of God during this Famine. Okay, During this famine. Um, and there's another scripture about uh, the place prepared of God. Because remember, Joseph had this place of Goshen prepared. Actually, God did. Um, another scripture in Revelation chapter 12, looking forward to the future of the future place God has prepared for you and for me, It says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and a times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. Okay? A place where they could flee from the serpent. Okay? Um, All right. I'm going to continue on. Verse 12, And behold, your eyes shall see, and the eyes of your brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you shall tell my father of my of all my glory. Now check it out. Of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that I have seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father thither. Now think about this. Though Joseph was despised by his brethren years ago, he had gained much glory among the Egyptians. They looked up to him and honored him for his wisdom, his prudence, and his faith. And think about this. There's a type here. After the Israelites in the book of Acts rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus gained much glory throughout the other nations As they accepted the gospel. Interesting. Very interesting stuff here. Okay, verse 14. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck. Joseph, you know, he's crying on him here. And wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. What a reunion. What a reunion. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. Such, I mean, think about this. Such wonderful grace and affection that Joseph shows unto his brothers here, even after what they had done to him 20 years ago and drawing the parallel between he and Jesus. Think of all the grace our Lord Jesus Christ has shown us after all that we've done against him. Verse 16, And the fame, and the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Pharaoh's a good guy. He was happy for Joseph. His servants were as well. Because Joseph was a great godly example. Okay, He was a very profitable servant. And he earned respect among the Egyptians. Think about that. If you are profitable in all that you do in this life... You have the opportunity to influence people like Joseph did. Whether it's your place of employment, your community, your family, you name it. Be a Joseph. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, laid your beasts, and go and get you unto the land of Canaan. And take your father and your household and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt. And you shall eat the fat of the land. Now, now, Pharaoh was willing. To a, a, a pagan king here was willing to provide the very best for the Israelites. But you know what? It was really God working through Pharaoh to get all this arranged. And you're worried about what's going on in the world today? If you are, you shouldn't be. All things work out to the good of God's people. Though there will be trials, there will be temptations, there will be times when all it looks like everything's lost. We've got to maintain that hope like Joseph did because God's promises will come to pass. Verse 19 and thou art commanded, this do you take ye wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come also, regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Now, some say, well, America's not a Christian nation. It's not, a, uh, you know, it's, it's a secular nation and all these types of things. Well, there's, a, uh, people make that argument, okay? I believe this is a Christian nation founded by the church, uh, by the early pilgrims. But nevertheless, let's just say, let's just say they're right. It's still, there still has never been a nation like this in history that has protected, that has provided a place of protection for the true church, for God's people. I mean, that's amazing. That's really what Joseph did here. He provided a place for the Israelites to be in. And there's something interesting. For 400 years. Did you know that it's been 400 years since the pilgrims Founded America. Interesting. Interesting times we're living in. In 1620, the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. Giving birth to this nation, America. In the wilderness. A place prepared of God where they fled. But those 400 years are up. Could it be possible God's moving us to something else? Is it possible that God could be moving us to the true promised land? That that would mean that the end would be coming soon and we would be experiencing a second Passover where the plagues of God in the book of Revelation come pouring out upon this world. I think we ought to take heed, my friends. I think we ought to be... On guard. Now, again, this could turn out to be for the better for our country and have a period of grace, but this also could be leading us to the time of the end. Okay? And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them, he gave each man changes of raiment. To Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. Now, 300 pieces of silver, that's an interesting number because 300 is 10 times 30 or 10 times the price of a slave. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery. Okay. Um, interesting biblical numerics here. You can do with it what you want. Five is the number of grace. But, you know, just as Benjamin... Now, there's another important thing I want you to see here. Just as Benjamin gets an extra blessing for not having sinned against Joseph like his brothers did, because Benjamin didn't have anything to do with selling Joseph into slavery. Maybe he, did the re- he really rewarded him here with this uh, seemingly... A numerically significant, meet with a seemingly numerically significant uh, attachment to this award. I don't know if I said that right, but we'll go with that. So, those who stay true to Jesus throughout their lifetime now will indeed receive an extra blessing. Revelation 15 talks about that, okay? So, Joseph gets extra uh, and so on. Verse 23, and To his father he sent after this manner, ten asses laden with good things of Egypt, and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. Okay, all these gifts he's sending, it just shows the richness and the glory that Joseph had in the land of Egypt. Um, Ten also is an interesting number. Later on, we hear about the ten tribes of Israel who were separated from Judah and Benjamin. Ten is also the number of testimony. And these, so these gifts, again, these gifts from Joseph were sent as a witness or as a testimony to Jacob that Joseph was yet alive. And not only was he alive, but he had prospered and had uh, risen to a place of power and influence. Verse 24. So he sent his brethren away and they departed, and he said unto them, "See that you fall not out by the way." Now I believe this. I believe Joseph is just telling his brothers, "Hey, be careful, get home safely, and make it back." Okay, it's a big deal to Joseph. He wants to see his father again, to to kind of close this this dramatic story out. Verse twenty-five, and they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father, and told them the Israelites make it back, right? his brothers, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Okay, unbelievable. How can he believe that after all these years? Verse 27, and they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Now, think about that. In Jacob's doubt, he fainted. But in his faith, he revives. Now, there is a lot more than meets the eye in these Old Testament stories. I don't have time to get into all the details. But this must have been quite the sight, you know. This would be like seeing this entourage come with these wagons and all these gifts. This would be like having Air Force One land in your backyard or on, in, on your street, to pick you up. This is a big deal. Okay, big deal. Verse twenty-eight. And Israel said, it, "It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die." Okay, he believed the testimony when jo- when Jacob saw all of these blessings and gifts that were headed that were coming. He believed. Okay, he believed. Um, he believes that Joseph is alive. And so in conclusion here, just as Joseph revealed himself unexpectedly to his brothers, Jesus will one day return and reveal himself unexpectedly. Again, that's how he told us he's coming back. We're not going to expect it. Could be three and a half years from now. Could be seven years from now. Could be a thousand years from now. The question is, Will you be ready? Have you studied and applied the word of God to your life? Because if you haven't, that's not a good way to meet your maker. So stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.